Well, our passage for today, as we continue in the uh, book of Philippians, is gonna be Philippians chapter one, verse 12 through 26. So if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open that up, whether it's a physical Bible or a digital Bible, whatever it might be, the words will be on the screen behind me as well, but do invite you to, uh, to read along. Silently, sorry. Because um, some churches do that, you read the whole thing together. Um, anyway, so, uh, the word of the Lord as it comes to us from Philippians chapter one, verse 12 through 26. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the, in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, one Saturday last fall, um, Tyler had a soccer game in Jackson, Tennessee. So we were about to set off to, I uh, had, we're, we're gonna pick up a couple of his friends and we were gonna drive to Jackson. And, uh, but I knew that I had a problem with my car. There was a leak in one of the tires, like the back, uh, driver's side rear tire. There was a slow leak. And I thought, okay, well, I gotta deal with this thing before I drive an hour and a half each way. Um, so now the place that I normally go to, I went there and it's, it's a tire place and they said, well, it's gonna be about three hours. There were like 17 people in line in front of me. I thought, okay, well, that's not gonna work. I'm not sure what to do. So we're trying to figure it out. And I was actually talking to a friend and he said, you know, there's a place in town um, where I've taken my tires before and they fix it really quick and maybe you can try them out. So I had Tyler and one of his friends in the car and we drove off to this tire place here in town to this auto repair place. And within five minutes, um, they had me back up and running. $20 later, I was back on the road. Great. Well, we go driving down the road, and he had put in, instead of like a seal, it was like a plug. You know, if you ever do the plug where it's kind of this thing kind of sticking out. <clears throat> so we're driving along, and immediately I, I noticed this thumping. 
I'm like, well, that's kind of weird, but you know, it's a plug, so maybe it's that. So we're driving a little bit, and it was like a mile to our house, mile and a half to our house. So we're driving along, and it just keeps thumping. I'm like, well, that's weird. So I pull over into a parking lot, a bank parking lot, and I look, and I go, well, everything looks fine, and yeah, there's a plug, so I guess it just has to kind of, you know, kind of wear down a little bit, and it'll be fine. Get back on the road, and we're cruising along again. Well, the thumping, you know, thump, 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 turns into thump, 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 and it's like starting to rattle the car. Okay, well, that's not good, but you know, we're half a mile from home right? So we just continue on, continue on, and it turns into a rumble in the car, and then bam! I look behind me, and there's something silver flying out behind me. I'm terrified, so I, I veer over to the side. Thankfully, there was nobody in the way, so I veer over to the side, stop on the side there, and I get out of the car, and I'm looking, going, what the heck is going on here? I look back there, and I look at my wheel, and I go, those were the f- all five lug nuts, yeah, so, so I'm looking at my tire and then I realize it's not only, you know, like, so the way the tire works, it goes over like the five bolts, right? And then the lug nuts hold it on. It wasn't even on the bolts. It was past the bolts. And my tire is like this, leaned off of the car. And the truth starts to sink in. I'm going, oh my gosh, we almost just got destroyed, right? And I was about to take these kids out on, we call it in California, the freeway, but we we're gonna go on the interstate going seven miles an hour out to Jackson with a tire terrifying, right? So I call the people up and I say, hey, um, by the way, uh, my wheel just about fell off. Can you come and fix it for me, please? So as they're coming, I go and I find four out of the five lug nuts. The guy comes, he puts it on a jack, and this time instead of using the the air gun like he's using a just regular old lug wrench, sets it in. He's like, I'm so sorry. I talked to the owner. He's going to make this thing right. Let's go and get you a new lug nut. Let's go to the auto zone. We'll pick that up for you. Great. Fine. And I'm not freaking out too much, but I'm still going, oh my gosh, this could have been really bad. And at that point, I would have had two other people's kids in the car plus my own. Terrifying, right? Truth is all sinking in. But it's going to be fine. It's going to get worked out. So it takes a long time, but we get back home, and I'm going, oh, man, we got to get on the road. I don't have a lot of time for this. I don't have time for lunch. I'm going to get in the shower. i got to get ready. I won't eat, but that's okay because we got to get going. Well, then I find out that the, the, the toilet next to the shower there is, is, is plugged up. I won't be too graphic, but last time this happened and I tried to plunge it, um, it backed up into the shower. So I'm on the phone with Michelle and she's like, Jeff, stop plunging. D- don't, don't plunge anymore. I'll call, the, I'll call the plumber at work before, we'll do that. Okay, fine, call the plumber, fine, whatever, and then I get on the road, so we get going, everything is fine, everything is going smooth. Michelle calls me up, she's like, hey, I called the plumber, he came out and fixed it, and three, about $315 later, um, and a little bit of a scratch in the wood floor, and the, the plumbing is fixed again. Well, a couple of days later, I get a phone call from the owner of the repair shop, and he called, and he's like, hey, I just wanna make sure we're all good, and I'm like, um, well, I mean, my tire works now, but, He's like, well, I'm like, well, I at least want to get the, the $20 back that I paid for you to fix my tire. He's like, at least? Do you want me to do more than that? And I'm going, I guess not. Um, so I went back and I got my money back and decided I will never set foot in that place again. Um, well, then, uh, next day, maybe two days later, what do I find out? The tire is still leaking. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to the other place where they've always treated me right. I bring it in. They're like, well... Since they already repaired it, we can't repair it for you. It's a liability issue, all that kind of stuff. We cannot do the fix for you. You're going to have to get a new tire. And then it's like, well, the truth is, you really need two tires because the, the, the other one in the back there is low. Um, he said, the other two are fine, but within probably a few months, you'll need to replace those two. And I trust them. They showed me the stuff, and they were trustworthy people. 
So in the end, I bought four new tires. That Saturday cost us about $1,100. You ever have one of those days where everything just seems to go wrong and it just piles up, it's thing after thing after thing after thing? Well, Paul wasn't just having one of those days, Paul was having one of those years. Okay, so Paul, who had been called by God, had been commissioned by the church, had been sent out to do all this great ministry, Paul is now locked up, right? He'd been traveling around, he is locked up in prison, he is in Rome, he is awaiting trial. Things are kind of going poorly for Paul. And by the way, his trial isn't just to go, well, he's gonna spend some time in prison. No, it's are you going to be executed for what is going on? So, so he's in there in prison and all this stuff is going on and he's getting letters from people telling him what is happening and then he finds out not only is he there in prison but while he is in prison there are other people who are preaching but some of these people are shady. Some people are preaching the gospel as it says for dishonest gain. Now we don't know exactly what this dishonest gain is. You know, maybe is it some people who are trying to gain money from, from preaching the gospel? Is it maybe some people who are trying to gain notoriety? Is it people who are trying to take followers away from Paul? Not that Paul cares about followers. He's like, follow Jesus, don't worry about me. But these people are trying to steal followers and trying to gain some notoriety. And they're celebrating the fact that Paul is in prison. They're taking advantage of the fact that Paul is in prison. And it even sounds like they are trying to do things and spread rumors and, and try and make things worse for Paul. Well, you know, I heard what Paul was really preaching. So he's in prison, locked up, and there's people talking badly about him and trying to get him into more trouble. So thinking back to that day, I think it was... October, when this, when this crazy day happened, when the wheel almost fell off. So, so we get to the place, we get to this tournament, and I sit down, and what's the first thing that I do when I talk to one of the other dads that's there? Dude, you gotta hear about my day, it was insane, right? Now part of it is, it was insane, and it was ridiculous what had just happened, and it was just a funny story to tell, I'll be honest. Um, but also there's part of me going like, he's gonna feel my pain, he's gonna commiserate, he's gonna understand what I am going through. Now, if I were Paul, Paul was in a fairly similar, well, Paul was not in a similar situation. Paul was in a much worse situation. In terms of his friends coming to him, he was in a similar situation because the reason why Paul sent this letter was he sent it back with Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus was possibly the pastor, one of the important people at the church in Philippi. So, so Paul is sending this letter back because Epaphroditus had come with a gift and he'd come to go, man, I'm so sorry things are going rough for you. Now, the temptation for Paul would be to go like, oh man, you don't even know. And to lay it on and say, you know what? I'm being persecuted. And people say they're being persecuted. Paul was legitimately being persecuted. You know, there's all this crazy stuff. It's just frustrating that things just keep piling on. And maybe there's that part of you going like, okay, God, what are you doing? Where are you? When are you gonna fix this thing? And he's hanging on and he's waiting. Paul had plenty of reason to complain. Paul had plenty of reason to despair. But instead, listen to what he said. Verse 18. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Paul's answer to all of this stuff is to rejoice. I wasn't rejoicing much that day when the wheel almost came off. But why? 1913, there was a book that came out and then it was followed by a movie 47 years later by Disney with Haley Mills called Pollyanna. Now Pollyanna, if you know the story, um, was an orphan and she was 
pretty much always positive, look for the positive things, and she was upbeat, even in very difficult, terrible circumstances and situations. Now, based on that book and based on that movie, um, to say that someone is a Pollyanna means they are someone who is excessively cheerful or optimistic. Calling someone a Pollyanna usually infers they're kind of naive, they're unrealistic. Yeah, they're sure chipper, they're sure upbeat, but maybe you just don't really think about what's going on. Well, that's not Paul. Paul wasn't sticking his head in the sand. He wasn't ignoring the fact that there were some very big problems that were happening. Paul knew the severity of it. Paul knew the very high possibility that he was going to die and eventually he would get executed. But remember the central verse of Philippians. Chapter one, verse six. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you and in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, in spite of these difficult circumstances, in spite of what was truly happening there and these difficult, pretty awful things that were going on, he knew that God was at work in the lives of the Philippians and in his own life, even in that prison. So Paul's friends are back in Philippi and they are worried about him and they are sending messages to him. They're worried about him suffering in prison. But listen to what he tells him. It was the first verse that we read earlier, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You see, Paul didn't have this vague idea of, you know, it's gonna be fine, don't worry about it. He knows that God is at work. And what's great is in this, in this passage, as he's talking about here's the reality of what's going on, here's the difficult things that are happening, he gives two very specific examples of how God is at work and why he is rejoicing. First comes in verse 13. He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So Paul is locked up, most likely in Rome. But he is not just some nameless face. He's not just thrown in a cell with, you know, 50 other people. He is actually under house arrest right now, and he is guarded by generally a single Roman soldier. We read about that elsewhere in the book of Acts. And this soldier is not just a Roman soldier. They are a soldier from the palace guard, so they are an important soldier. And what they're doing is you'll have this one soldier who's with him and then he gets relieved by another soldier. Some reports said it was four hours. I don't know if they would have been that kind to the soldiers to give him that short of a shift. But somehow he's got got these shifts of these guys who were coming through. Now if you remember the story of Paul, what he's doing when he is in prison, one, well we know he's writing letters. We also know that he's getting visitors who are coming in to see him. You know, Timothy was with him sometimes and, and Silas had been with him before and Epaphroditus is with him. So he's there visiting with his friends and he's talking with them. We also know that other times when Paul was arrested, he was praying and he was singing worship songs and he was, and he was, and he was talking about God. So what Paul is going on, what's going on with Paul here is, is he's, he's got these guys who are sitting with him and they're listening to him the whole time and hearing what he's talking about. And he's talking about what he's doing there and he's not complaining. But he's talking to these guys about Jesus Christ. Now if we remember though, he's not only there just to be 
in prison and will house arrest. He's not only there to do that, he's there for a bigger purpose. He's there because he's going to be on trial. So whether his trial has started or yet started yet or not, it is going to start. So now what Paul is going to do is he's going to stand in front of some Roman officials. Will it go all the way to Caesar? I kind of doubt it, but it will go probably up the level to some important people that he's brought to Rome to get his moment in court. All right, so what do you think Paul is gonna do with his moment in court? You think he's gonna go, I'm sorry, I'll stop doing it. No, he's gonna say, well, let me tell you about this Jesus guy, right? So Paul, who has been arrested and brought through something terrible, who is actively being persecuted and very well could die and eventually does die for it, it's an opportunity for him. In my opinion, one of the greatest verses in the Bible is Acts 1.8. Jesus is talking to the disciples right before he returns to heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus told his people, Jesus told his followers that they would be his witnesses in all these different places. So Paul was brought to be a witness at his own trial, but that's not really why he was there. Paul wasn't there to try and justify why he shouldn't be killed, why he shouldn't be executed for this, why he was a good stand-up guy. The big reason, the real reason why Paul was in Rome was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people of Rome. Colossians 4, 3 through 5. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Paul was making the most of every opportunity that God gave him, even in prison. And because of it, new people were hearing the gospel. Well, the second positive that comes from Paul being in jail is that more people are now preaching the gospel as well. Philippians 1.14 says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So Paul is stuck in prison, and all of his friends, they're, they're scattered in different places, but his friends back in Philippi, they're not just sitting on their hands. They're not just going, well, Paul isn't here, so I guess we, we can't carry on. No, they're busy preaching. Now, is this um, people who went, well, there's a void and there's nobody doing it, so we're gonna step up? Or is this people who are going, well, shoot, if Paul can be bold enough, I can be bold enough too. I know that it's, that it's dangerous, but if Paul can do it, I can do it. My guess is it's probably both. But either way, you have new people proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we see, while Paul is in prison, there are great things happening. There are new people hearing the gospel, and there are new people preaching the gospel. But here's an important thing to think about, okay? These things were not happening in spite of Paul being in prison. These are happening because Paul is in prison. I found a quote from a Scottish theologian, F.F. F. Bruce. 
He said, Paul sees the hand of God so manifestly at work in the situation which he has just described that he is left in no doubt that he is in the place where God wishes him to be in the fulfillment of his apostolic commission. Saying Paul has no doubt. He looks at the whole situation and he is left with no doubt. Not only is God allowing me to be here, this is exactly where God wants me to be. Yes, I am called to be a pastor. I am called to be an evangelist. I am called to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is where God has me. It's not an accident. It's not God making the best of a bad situation. So the good news for Paul is that there are now new people sharing the gospel, right? So Paul is in prison, other people are doing it, new people hadn't been doing it before, people who weren't bold before are now doing this. The bad news is that not all of those people are honorable. Verse 15 and 17. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. They preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So there are people who are causing trouble for Paul. They're trying to gain a name for themselves and speaking out against him. But listen to what he says in verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, if you've read other letters that Paul has written, other, other letters from Scripture, you see that Paul cares about bad theology. If somebody's teaching wrong and teaching the name of Jesus and teaching the wrong things, he's going, no, 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 you have to deal with that. But that's not what's happening here. It sounds like they're telling the truth, but they're busy patting themselves on the back and trashing Paul while they're at it. But Paul's answer is saying, okay, yes, I look bad, but Jesus looks good. I'm okay with that. Now, what goes unsaid, what it doesn't mention here is the fact that these, these teachers who are teaching the truth but with bad motives, God is paying attention as well. They will still face judgment for it. God is still gonna go, no, you were doing this the wrong thing. I used you in spite of you, but you need to take ownership of this. But in the big picture, whether from false motives or from true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. So we've looked at these, these challenges that Paul is facing, these very difficult times that Paul is facing. Well, there's one more concern that the Philippians have for Paul, and it's a huge one, and that is that he is facing execution. But listen to what Paul says in verse 20 to 24. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Okay, so what's happening here is not that Paul is being fatalistic, like, well, it's gonna happen either way and I have no control over it. It's not that Paul is unconcerned. It's not that he doesn't care if he lives or dies. What Paul is saying is that if he dies, as his friends fear he might, 
who gets to see Jesus face to face. And if he lives, he gets to remain here and continue doing the work of God. So he's saying, if I live, I get to carry on the work of the kingdom. If I die, I get to experience the kingdom in all of its glory. So it's not that, well, I guess either way is fine. For Paul, either way is an amazing, incredible gift, and it is all for God's glory. We all face difficult days, difficult times, difficult stretches in life when God is hard to see, when his plan isn't clear, when we aren't so sure that things are going to work out. Let's think back again to the image of the sculptor. Right, so you have this, this guy who has chosen a stone. He has chosen this piece that he is going to turn into a statue. Tyler, can you put out the picture of the sculptor? So we have, we have this picture of the sculptor. He chooses a stone. He's busy creating his masterpiece. He's chipping away at the excess parts. He's smoothing out the rough edges. But there are also times, if you've ever seen an artist at work, whether it's, whether it's stone or whether um, it is clay or whether it is, is painting, um, sometimes there's this moment when it kind of looks like a big mess to everybody else. We start to question, does he really know what he's doing? Does he even have a plan? Did he just chisel that piece off accidentally? Several years ago, we bought um, a home, and we decided we were going to get new windows. So, you know, we, we had the guy come in and show us all the windows and all that, and then his crew showed up one day with the new windows, and they were going to start tearing out the old and putting in the new. Well, I'm looking at our backyard, and we had, we had a two-story house, and on the back patio, there was a patio cover. Well, on the patio cover, you know, there's the big beams and all that kind of stuff, but to create shade, there were the, the thinner pieces that were about like a one and a quarter, one and a half inch, you know, um, little string that went down there. So I'm looking at that and I'm going, these guys are gonna stand on the patio cover when they have to take off, take out the old windows and put in the new ones. They're going to break our patio cover. So being that I am an expert contractor and a window installer, <laughs> or not, um, I decide, well, I'm gonna go talk to this guy and say, hey, you know, I, I got an idea, you know, I got, some, I got some plywood, if you don't have that, we can put it on there, and, and, and he kind of looked at me, and being a nice southern gentleman, um, he skipped over, bless your heart, instead he went straight to, well, this isn't our first rodeo. So I kind of put my tail between my legs and, and uh, shut my mouth, and they went ahead, and you know what they did was they went, from inside the house, they took out the windows and took them back in, and they put the new ones in, and they took them out and put them back in, and they didn't do any damage to our patio cover. Yes, God knows what he's doing. And no, he didn't forget the plywood. He who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. Sometimes there are things happening behind the scenes that we don't understand, that we have no idea what is going on. However, this does not mean that it is always going to be easy or that the difficult things in life are going to end quickly or the way we want. Paul had great confidence in this book, in the book of Philippians. But there's another letter that he wrote to a church about six or seven years earlier. Listen to this. I don't have the words for it on the screen, but just listen. 
Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. These are words written by the same guy. These are words out of the same Bible. There were moments when even Paul had a hard time keeping his chin up. But he realized, if you hear the words that he said, he realized that this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. And that on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. God uses some of the most difficult, some of the most painful circumstances in our lives for his purposes and to do his work in us. Sometimes we see that clear as day and our eyes are open. There's other times when we are groping around in the dark trying to find a way out. But he has given us his word to remind us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to comfort us. And he's given us his church, his people, the people in this room to lift us up in prayer and to point us back to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we just read. We thank you for the reminder that you will use some of these difficult situations, these things that seem so impossible for your glory, Lord, for your purposes to draw us closer to you, to help us to rely upon you, to transform us and make us more like you. Lord, there's times when that is really hard to see and there's times when that is really hard to trust. But your word is true, your promises are true. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to rejoice in what you're doing, to not just suffer through it, to not just make it through somehow, but to rejoice in what you are doing. We thank you, we praise you, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen.